up, monkey? Thanks for joining me back here on the show. You're listening to the Arm Date Podcast. I'm your host, Tony. Today is Sunday. It's the 30th of May. It's 2010. Uh, just remember and be sure to think about uh, the soldiers that are over there overseas serving for us and the ones that are also serving for us here at home. Tomorrow is going to be Memorial Day. And uh, make sure you set aside some time to think about the men and women that are serving in our armed forces and the sacrifices that they've made over the years for us so that we can enjoy some of the freedoms and uh, the lifestyle that we have here in America. On today's show, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, sort of the philosophy of kind of this podcast in general. And in recent shows, I've done a lot of reviews and things like that. And I still like doing that. And uh, my original intent, though, with the show was to try and have it kind of uh, no matter what I was doing, whether I was going camping or whether I was uh, driving over to to uh, Walmart or the sporting goods store or the gun store or doing whatever, it's going to come from my perspective as, as a person who's, who's armed all the time. Uh, for those of you guys that may be listening for the first time, I, uh, I live in Arizona. We have uh, uh, what you would call a very pro-gun state, very gun-friendly state. We've got a lot of recent laws and legislations that have been passing over the last uh, two to three years where we've made a lot of really great strides. One of the things that have passed recently was the... Um, what they call constitutional carry, which means that as long as you're legal to carry or own a, a firearm, and you don't, you're not, a, you know, so you're not a felon, you're not uh, uh, have been deemed mentally incompetent, you're not um, uh, have a restraining order or involved in domestic violence, that type of things. As long as you're basically a law-abiding ci- uh, citizen, you'll be able to carry a firearm concealed without having to have a permit. Now. Arizona still has their permits. I still have one. Uh, and as far as I know, there is no plan for the state to get rid of the permitting system. A lot of this has to do with what they call reciprocity, which is uh, if I have a permit uh, from Arizona, I can go to, uh, let's say, Montana, and I'm able to carry concealed there because Montana recognizes the permit. So they say, we think that, you know, the the uh, the training or the... Uh, the uh, the criteria that you have in Arizona is fine with us, you know, so you can carry here too. Um, so on on the camping trip that I went on that uh, a while back, I actually I went up there and I didn't, I don't think I really talked about it, but I was armed. I had my uh, a handgun, which was a Glock 17, and I had a, uh, a magazine, of course, in the gun, and I brought two spare magazines. So I think that'd be a total of about 51 rounds of ammunition just for the handgun. I also took up, I have an AK-47. Of course, it's a, it's a semi-automatic. Uh, and, you know, you can, a lot of people, uh, and depending on the state, it may or may not be illegal. Most states in in the U.S., you can own a machine gun. They are very, very expensive. And you also have to fill out a lot of paperwork with um, uh, ATF or BATFE. And uh, you pay a tax stamp, I think it's around $200, and then you're, uh, and there's a whole lot of rigmarole that you have to go through, but you can get them. Part of the reason that machine guns are so expensive is, I think it was uh, back in 86, there was a uh, importation ban and a, uh, a uh, well, maybe, maybe importation ban is the wrong thing. Basically, there was a ban on 
you being able to buy anything manufactured after that date as far as an automatic weapon would go. So as, as far as a true machine gun. And so what that did is almost overnight, it started driving up the prices. So if you're looking at, let's say, a, uh, um, a Select Fire M16 or an AK-47 or a, maybe a FAL, something like that, you're probably looking to paying anywhere from nine to fourteen to twenty thousand dollars, depending on on what it is. Uh, if you look at things like the old Thompson uh, submachine guns, those are just hideously expensive. Uh, but you can't own them, and if you've got the money, you can you know you can pay that and pay the tax stamp, and as long as your paperwork comes through, you can own them and own as many as you want, basically. But anyway, getting back to the camping trip. So I had taken up uh, both those firearms. And I'll tell a little story of why I would taken up that. Because some people may say, well, okay, I can understand that you would want to take a gun with you up there. You know, you're, there's not only going to be maybe four-legged predators, but there's also going to be two-legged people. And you want to have a means to protect yourself and, and uh, defend your family if they happen to be with you. And... A while back, um, there was a spot, and I, I may have told this story before. I, I think I've told it over at the Firearms Cafe podcast, which if you're not listening to, I'd invite you to go to. That's my other podcast that I do. There was a place where I used to go out shooting. And what you could do is you would drive in. You could you'd pull off sort of the main road, open up the gate, you know, go in, close it back off, and then you'd drive in. And there was a couple of places where you had natural berms and things like that where it was good to shoot at. Well... The uh, BLM, or Bureau of Land Management, went in and closed that off to uh, any type of motorized vehicle. So you, you could go in either on foot, or you could ride a bike in there, or you could ride a horse. But anything with a motor on there, you weren't allowed to take in. So no ATVs, of course, no trucks or anything like that. Uh, so the, uh, and, and it's been, gee whiz, it's been like that for quite a while. Um, and it probably will go for at least another couple of years. Uh, but anyway, I had gone out there, and normally I I would I just take the the rifle with me, but on this time I didn't uh, because I was going to be packing in a lot of junk that I was wanting to test out, and I thought eh, I just don't want to slog around the rifle. And at that time, it was the the weather was getting a little warmer, so I figured well not not many people are going to go out there. And then plus the fact since it had been closed off to vehicle traffic, hardly anybody went out there. Um, especially in the warmer month because you don't want to walk in during the heat. So anyway, I go out there and I get set up. And like I said, at this time, it was the weather was warm, but it wasn't, you know, prohibitively hot or anything of that type of nature. And I get out there and I set up. And the, the little place where I had set up, it's, it's kind of, there's like a big rise and then it kind of dips down and flattens off and, and kind of goes off flat. Uh, and that's where the road was. The the uh, uh, the was right next to kind of that rise. And so you would, if you were if you were walking on the road, and then you went up that rise, and then kind of went down. That's where there was a few trees, and I had kind of cleaned it up and cleared it out, and uh, made like a nice little place to come in and camp and be able to spend the day. And and uh, so anyway, I'm sitting there, and the road, I guess, is you know like from the rise and and uh, that little little hill a tiny little hill like more like a berm than a hill so from the camp you can see out and you can see the road and the road's about probably oh maybe 50 75 yards or so away maybe a little longer 
uh, but not that that far away. But you can see uh, where the road is now. What had happened was, as I was sitting there and, and uh, was getting ready to make a fire, and had set up my tarp and everything, so I had a nice little shade, and I was going to make a fire and I think make some cook some chili that I'd brought out there with me. And all of a sudden, I hear uh, a truck coming. And uh, I'm thinking, what is going on? I thought, oh, I wonder if it's maybe a BLM guy or a worker that's coming out. Because occasionally those guys will still come out because they'll go and they'll check on stuff. Or a lot of times, too, what they can do is people will come out, like you'll have the Boy Scouts will come out or sometimes some of the other, uh, we'll call them like civic groups, will come out and they'll go out and they'll volunteer to try and pick up trash and clean up the area a little bit. So I thought, well, maybe that's what this is. So I'm sitting there, and um, and at the time, I didn't know really how well you could see kind of where I was from the road. Uh, but the, the tarp that I had at the time, it was just like a Walmart tarp, so it was brown on one side and a reflective silver on the other. And I had the way that the, the tarp was pitched, it was pitched down at an angle, and I had the brown on the outside. So if you were looking at it from the road, you could definitely see that there was, you know, a big tarp there. So anyway, this guy comes driving up and I look at the truck and I can immediately tell, well, it's not a, it's not a BLM truck. It's not any type of government truck. There's no markings on it. Um, and it wasn't the, the, uh, uh, the model that they used. You could definitely tell this was like a civilian guy's truck. It was, you know, it was lifted up and it was a, it was like a white Chevy extended cab. And so the guy's driving through and I, I'm, just kind of watching him and I'm sitting down in my little chair that I've got and I, as he's driving by he stops and I can tell I can't I can see him in, in the driver's side but I can't see if there's anybody else in the truck with him I can't really because he's sort of blocking the view and like I said it's far enough away to where you it's, it's kind of hard to tell so the guy stops and I think oh he's just seeing the tarp and he's going to keep on going and I thought Maybe he was going to come in and go shooting or something like that. and uh, But then he just stops and he sits there and he sits there and he sits there. And about, oh, I'd say about 30 seconds goes by. And again, you may not think, well, 30 seconds doesn't sound that long. But he was just sitting there kind of staring. And I thought, well, can he, can this guy see me? And then I thought, man, I wonder if he's, you know, coming out here to, and, and what I really kind of, in, in hindsight, what I think happened was, is he was probably coming out there like to dump an old refrigerator or a washing machine or something like that. And I think he could see the tart, but I don't know that if he could really see me that well. Um, when you come down over into that berm, there's, there's several kind of these old kind of scrubby trees and stuff, and they do provide some cover. But, uh, so he was looking and looking and looking, and like I said, the time goes by, and then I'm thinking, you know, what, what's going on? What is this guy doing? And then eventually he, he kind of drives off. So he drives down the road a little bit. And I remember thinking right then, you know, if, if there was a couple of them, you know, are, are they going to come and try and, you know, uh, give me some trouble or give me a problem? And I remember thinking at that time, I had my pistol with me, and I thought, well, if I had to make a shot, so like if this guy all of a sudden, uh, for whatever reasons, opened fire on me, let's say he pulled out a rifle or a handgun or something and started shooting at me, 
I was really thinking, man, I wish I had my rifle with me. Let me go ahead and do a little bit of a drop in here. Now, obviously that didn't happen. The guy, like I said, I think what he wanted to do was dump a refrigerator cause what ha or a washing machine or something. Because what happens, it seemed like he drove up a little ways. And then probably within about 15 minutes or so, the guy came back and drove by. And he, this time he didn't stop. He just kept on going. So what I think happened was he probably just wanted to dump something and, and you know, just said, well, I'll roll the dice and dump this junk out here anyway. But my primary concern was that if I had gotten into like a self-defense type situation, that all I had with me was the handgun. Now, I was grateful that I had the handgun. But while I was sitting there and kind of looking at him over that little berm and stuff and watching that guy, I remember thinking if I, if I had to shoot at this guy, I would do much better with a rifle as opposed to a handgun. And I, I clearly remember thinking, I, I, I really wish I had my rifle with me right now. Because not only would it extend my range, but I would have a much more powerful firearm. Uh, and I would also have a, uh, a much more stable platform, so to speak, to shoot from. So... Uh, again, like I said, nothing bad came out of it, but it was kind of uh, what, what I would call maybe a learning moment for me. And ever since then, I always take my rifle with me whenever I'm going out camping, anything like that. Uh, and again, especially the most of the places I go to now, uh, where I'm not having to walk in, I take it with me. But even um, there's been a couple of times where I've gone out in the desert and shot and stuff, and I've gone back to that area, and I'll just hump the rifle in with me. Um, now, speaking of that, a lot of times, you know, we, we talk about the camping equipment and all the gear and everything, and we'll talk about, oh, is this pack comfortable, or does it fit well, or does this go, but a lot of times what we don't talk about or we don't think about is if you're a person that's carrying a firearm with you. Well, if you're carrying one maybe concealed in a, inside the waistband holster or something like that, if you've got a backpack on, that backpack, usually the waist, the waist belt is going to come pretty much right where your firearm is going to be. I've found that with that, usually I use my, uh, I've got a Serpa holster for the Glock. And for, for a concealed carry type thing, I don't, it, it's not going to be a good holster for that. It sticks out, excuse me, it sticks out way too far. It doesn't hug up, tight up against the body. Um. But I like the retention of it, and especially for going. And when I'm going out and hiking and stuff, it's open. It's out in the open, so it's open carry. So I'm not giving up any, uh, you know, like tactical advantage type thing. But I like the retention of it because if I were to fall, or if you know, if you're having to, uh, you know, lift something, or you're moving stuff around, you're moving your pack off, you're not going to accidentally pull the gun out of the holster and have it drop in the dirt, or you know, drop down into a ravine and then you lose the gun. However, even even with having it on your way, sometimes on your hip, sometimes the depending on the type of backpack that you're running that day, sometimes those waist the waist uh, belts and the other stuff kind of interfere with that. So you may have to move it around into a position that isn't too optimum. What I'm gonna try and what I want to get is a drop leg holster. And uh, a lot of people I know kind of snigger at that and say, oh, you know, it's, it's kind of like a mall ninja thing or, you know, you think you're a, this big tactical guy. And the answer to that is no. But what would be nice about having a drop leg is then again, if you've got that backpack, if you've got something that's going over your shoulder, even if it was something uh, kind of like a messenger bag type thing, 
where you're doing that, it's not getting in the way. It's down on your leg. You've still got access to it and all that type of stuff. But I don't have one of those, and eventually I'll get one. Um, so if any of you guys out there have uh, know of a good platform that you like to use for the drop leg stuff, um, let me know. Uh, like I said, it doesn't have to be too fancy. I, the main thing is, again, you know, if you've listened to this show, I just want something that's going to work. And if it's, uh, as, you know, as long as it's not like two or three hundred dollars, I'm not going to spend that. Uh, you know, I'd make one before I did that. But uh, so anyway, uh, this last time when I went out camping, took the rifle with me and uh, had the handgun with me and then that night when i was sleeping i tell you i was i was comforted by having that i knew that if if something really bad were to happen i uh, and i had the rifle with me in the tent when i was sleeping i knew that i would have a fighting chance and i knew that uh if something like a uh you know a bear or a, or a uh, mountain lion or something like that or you know again a two-legged predator or something like that came up at least with that, I've got that good that good AK and shooting that 7.62 by 39 round. Uh, even with a bear, if I can uh, hopefully be able to get off enough shots, it'll put him down. Uh, and then of course, it's very effective, of course, against any type of a human target. Um, but it would also be really effective against any type of you know coyotes or anything like that. And uh, I, I can't remember. I think I may have mentioned it before, but. Man, I heard tons of coyotes at night. They were just howling and howling and goofing around. and So they were definitely out there. And uh, I don't think they're... I think the area that I was at is there's probably enough people to where they're not, I don't think, going to really come in and bother you too much. But having said that, I don't really think they're too afraid of people because I think they're used to seeing them around. So let's see i think that's kind of gonna about do it for today's show um let me go ahead and check emails real quick i don't think i got too much you know what i actually did get a couple of things here um this was a while back i got a thing from mike and he sent me a uh it was a clip from cnn and basically what they were talking about um and we're seeing it come out more and more now you know, with the Obama administration, and basically just talking about, you know, if you guys remember when Obama was first running, he was saying, look, we're going to be open, and we're going to put stuff out on the internet, and we're going to do all this stuff, and we're not going to vote on anything. Uh, we will we'll make sure not to vote until it's been at least out there for about five days on the internet, and people can see it, and they have kind of time to contact people and ask questions and blah, blah, blah. Well, what we see is over, that, that's really never happened. Um, we saw that with healthcare. We're seeing it with other things. Uh, but Mike had sent me a thing about where even CNN was doing a thing where they were uh, one of the, uh, the, I guess, what do they call them, commentator, anchors there, whatever you want to call it. He was basically saying, you know, well, wait a minute. What's happened to this? How come all of a sudden, you know, you said you're not going to do backdoor deals. You're you're going to be open and honest, and this is going to be the most open and ethical Congress and Senate and administration that's that's ever been. And yet, how come none of this stuff is is happening like he said it was going to? So, and it, it was refreshing to see that. Now, I don't know. Uh, I had kind of predicted that within maybe the first couple of years or a year and a half or so, it, w- it would take at least that long before you would see any type of criticism of the guy. And we're finally, you know, other than something like Fox or, uh, you know, on the conservative side. 
but we're starting to see some of the liberal media just start to ask a few questions. Not much, though. They're still giving the guy a pass. Uh, and I, I, again, I used to think that, well, maybe after a couple of years, even the liberal media will start to kind of turn against him a little bit. But I don't know if that's going to be the case. I, I think they're maybe going to kind of go down with the guy. And, and unless he really screws something up, uh, you know, or, or unless it's a thing of where, you know, people like kind of like Fox News and some of the other places are, are making a big issue out of it and um, that they're going to sort of be forced to do it. But, you know, if we look at this thing that recently happened with, uh, oh, what the heck was that guy's name? Sestic? Um, Sestock? Something like that? Anyway, but the kind of the story was you have this guy that's going to run against... Uh, Oh, I can't even think of the guy. Everything's going out of my brain right now. Let me look it up here real quick. Hold on a second. Uh, let's see. Okay, here it is. It's with uh, Arlen Specter's seat, I guess, in uh, uh, Pennsylvania. Basically, for those of you guys that maybe don't know, because it probably hasn't been reported on all that much, uh, there was a guy who was going to run against Specter called uh, Sestic. I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. If not, it doesn't. Who cares? Uh, that's not the the point of the story. Basically, what happened was, is I guess the um, Obama administration thought that this guy Sestic was going to beat Specter. They didn't want Specter to lose, so what they did is offered him a position, even though it's an on-paying position, from what I understand. They still offered him a position, well, not to run, basically. Um, that is illegal. There's a law against that, and I don't remember the exact, I can't quote you the exact... Uh, uh, you know, subsection paragraph B type thing. But basically what it says is you're you're not to offer, it's a crime to offer somebody a job not to run or to offer them a job if they will run, that type of thing, if you're, you know, part of the, the political institution type deal. And basically that's what they did. What the Obama administration did was they got Clinton to, uh, former President Clinton, to go and talk to this guy and say, hey, look, if uh, if you don't run, we'll offer you, they're prepared to offer you this position here and such and such. And the reason they had Clinton do it was because then you can say, the Obama administration can say, hey, we didn't do anything wrong. Um, but ask yourself this question. If Bush had done that, it would be all over the news. We'd still be hearing about that. Now, that's not to say that this stuff hasn't happened in the Bush administration or in the Clinton administration or in the previous Bush administration or in the Reagan administration or even in the Carter administration. But uh, one of the reasons why it's such a big deal with the Obama administration, in my opinion, is, is two things. Number one is... Like I just said before, he had stated that his administration was going to be the most ethical, the most above-board administration. Everything was going to be out in the open. Everything was going to be transparent. And as we see, that just hasn't happened. That hasn't come to fruition. What we also see, and, and perhaps what's even more important, uh, you know, I mean, politicians are going to be politicians. And there's always going to be backdoors. If, if you don't understand that or believe that, you're kind of naive. But... What's more importantly is that a lot of the mainstream media didn't report it. Uh, or if they did, it was just a cursory thing, and then they said, okay, well, you know, that, yeah, it happened, but, you know, it's really not that big a deal. Uh, let's go ahead and move on. Um, so, uh, but that was the, uh, again, that kind of tied in with, with the uh, 
the uh, CNN clip that Mike had sent me. And if you want, you can go in and uh, I don't know what you'd type in to see the thing. Probably just like CNN. If you type in like CNN questions Obama or something like that at YouTube, it'll probably pop up. Now let me say one other thing too. I absolutely don't believe I get the real story from Fox News or from some of these other conservative stuff. These guys 100% absolutely have an agenda. And again, if you don't if you don't believe that or you don't think that, then you're being naive. Uh, you always need to take what you're hearing with a grain of salt. One of the guys I used to work with always said to me, and he was an old New York cop, and uh, he said, hey, he said, don't believe anything you read and only half of what you see. And he said, and then maybe, just maybe, you might come close to finding finding the truth about stuff. And I think that kind of, you know, while it may be a bit cynical, there is some truth in that. Uh, but just be careful of, uh, of kind of what you believe. And, and again, this kind of goes back to what I was talking about over at my last episode of Firearms Cafe and that you need to know, you need to have your strong beliefs, you need to know what those beliefs are, but you also need to, to question those beliefs. Uh, and now that kind of leading into that, a uh, friend of the show, Jens in Germany, sent a message about, you know, he had some, well, I don't want to say he was questioning his beliefs. He was, I guess you could say, exploring some of his beliefs and some of his thoughts and things like that. What it's about doesn't matter. Uh, the important thing is, is that he was willing to do a little bit of self-examination and kind of try and learn some things about himself. And uh, again, that's something that I think that that uh, we don't do, and I'm including myself in that. We don't do that as often as we should. Uh, so I think that was about all the email stuff and contact stuff that I got. Uh, speaking of that, if you want to contact me, feel free to do so. Uh, you can do that one or two, or a couple of ways, I guess. The easiest way is just going to be to go ahead and pick up the phone and give me a call at the voicemail, which is area code 206-339-3266. Or if you want to drop me an email or send me anything, uh, MP3 that you've recorded, you can do that at uh, thearmedape at gmail.com. That'll all be one word, thearmedape at gmail.com. I also got some uh, uh, some funny stuff from Candace and uh, gave me a real kick out of those. So thanks for sending those in, Candy. appreciate it. Uh, other than that, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. I know today's show wasn't maybe the most, uh, I don't know, maybe well thought out of or anything like that, but I did want to put a show out. I know it had been a while, and I at least wanted to have at least two shows maybe for the month of May. I know I'm getting in right under the wire. So uh, other than that, like I said, I'll try and uh, get some more shows going here. Um, we're going to be doing some traveling and stuff this summer so again i don't know how often it's going to be going on uh and then getting ready for even though school is just getting out then it's going to be a kind of a blink of an eye and we're going to have to get ready to go back to school and get ready for that stuff so all right i don't think i'm going to do any music or much stuff today like i said it's going to be kind of a short show i just wanted to put something out uh, if any of you guys have any uh comments or suggestions like i said feel free to send them in and uh, we'll go ahead and share them with the rest of the group. All right. Other than that, we'll uh, talk to you later. Take care, monkeys.
This guy's got a monkey scrotum and he's bragging about it. Oh,